Welcome to my daily dispatch. This is Brad Inman. We recently had a very robust debate on Facebook when I asked the question, is real estate an essential service? Yes, I like to provoke, but I had no clue about the overwhelming response. The Inman community on this issue is divided, lots of opinions. Somewhere in that very long discussion thread, someone asked, is real estate media an essential service? Touche. My answer, it is important if we do our jobs well, but probably not essential. Today, I have Ryan Gorman, CEO of NRT, which includes all of Caldwell Banker, a massive real estate inter enterprise spread around the world. We're going to pr probe that question and others. This guy has some serious stuff to manage and is a very thoughtful guy in the industry. Welcome, Ryan. Well, thank you, Brad. Thanks for having me. How you doing? How are I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing good, you know, like all of us. How are you? Is your, are you healthy, your family healthy? I am, I'm extremely fortunate. We're, we're healthy, those closest to me are, are healthy, our, our broader community, uh, I wish I could say the same across Cobalt Banker and, and especially here in the New York Metro area where, where I live, uh, there are just far too many that are, that are suffering and we're worse, uh, but I am very, very fortunate. Those closest to me right now are healthy. Oh, that's good. Now, are you in, I mean, not good on all fronts. You are, are you in New York City now? Are you in New Jersey or where are you living these days? Uh, a town called Morristown, New Jersey, a little city, uh, not too far from our headquarters uh, in, in Madison. So we're outside of New York City. So a lot of uh, sort of New York City daily commuters typically from this area, but uh, about 20 miles west of the city. And are you with your family? I am, yeah. So two of the three kids are here. My wife is here and uh, we are... Wow hunkered down and abiding by our stay-at-home orders. Oh, good. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're doing that. Some people are haven't gotten that message yet. Um, mm. You know, Ryan, one of the things that... Oh, let me ask you a funny one. How did it feel when your boss came in last week and cut your pay? <laughs> well, I'm not sure that's a funny one, but... Actually... How, how, uh, how did that all work out? How did that happen? Uh, well, how it actually happened is interesting. So uh, we as an executive committee, so you're talking about Ryan Schneider and and uh, what we announced last week in terms of the compensation uh, decreases that he took and we took as an executive committee. Uh, we actually made all those decisions together, which is great. He led by example. Uh, and we are talking as a group at least twice a day, oftentimes more than twice a day. Uh, but we decided that together, Ryan led by example, taking a 90, 90% uh, salary reduction. And uh, we thought, you know, our, our agents are taking a compensation hit every day that this crisis continues. We're asking our employees to sacrifice in many ways. And if it gets worse, we'll have to ask for more sacrifice. So to lead by example, which is something that's very important to the entire executive committee, uh, we thought that would be a good way to start. Yeah, I thought it was a, a real sign of leadership, uh, particularly now. You know, and you said the agent suffering. I, I, you know, we can get to that in a second. Um, and I kind of glossed over this. I should know because it's so darn serious. I assume we, you have cases of agents or managers or others that have contracted the virus and may be sick. Is that the case? Unfortunately, we do. We want to make sure we you know, protect everyone's privacy. So I don't want to go into details, but with the you know, 100,000 people around the country and around the world, we've had, uh, unfortunately, the, the worst case scenarios uh, and, and everything in between. So the family's been, the larger cold maker family's been dealing with a lot. Yeah. How many agents are under your umbrella now, Ryan? What's the... 
So we've got, um, trying to think if our most recent numbers are, are out yet, but something like 94, 95,000 uh, agents around the yeah. country and around the world. And uh, about half of those, a little more than half of those are in the company owned brokerage operations here in the US, Cold Banker Realty. And uh, the balance are in uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, Cold Banker affiliate operations in the US. And then we're in more than 40 countries around the world as well. Many of those countries suffered with COVID-19 first, so we certainly learned from our, our colleagues uh, around the world. And I'm just curious, Ryan, you're, you're, you always impress me as thoughtful. You're not a loud mouth. You're, you're careful before you speak. You certainly on stage said some things that are always profound that people remember. Um, is there anything in your personal life that you can go back to that helped you or prepared you for this moment? Not necessarily something comparable, but hmm. something in your life that might have uh, helped you, you know, dig deep and reach high to, to meet the challenge, particularly leading such a big company at such a tough time? That's an interesting question. I mean, I've, uh, those who know me well, don't have to get into details, but know that I've I had a very non-traditional childhood, uh, I guess you might say, and I've had, I suppose, a non-traditional professional path to where I where I sit now, at least in this industry, it would be considered non-professional. But I guess I think sort of everything that anybody's ever done prepared them for this moment, right? I mean, it, it may sound strange, but everyone who's alive today has survived everything that's ever happened. And that perspective is maybe helpful in a moment like this. Certainly in times of crises and chaos, I tend to get more calm than the less calm the environment around me gets, which for some is very comforting, for some seems disturbing. But uh, for me, it's just sort of been, I guess, uh, an attribute all my life. But for all of us, that perspective of we've, we've survived literally everything that has ever been thrown at us in our history. And for many of us, like Cole Banker, and as an organization has survived you know, founded in the 1906 earthquake uh, and has survived everything since then. So I think that sort of comforting could be a bit of a touchstone for us. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I find um, this to be a very equalizer, you know, the leaders like you and your everyday agent are stuck at home, right? Doing, surviving. And so we're all kind of in the same boat. It's um, a really touching perspective. I, I had a, an agent reach out. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm speaking with our, our agents, our customers, our consumers every day, our employees every day. And, and someone reached out from the other side of the country and said, uh, shared something interesting. She said, you know, I'm basically, I'm in headquarters right now because I'm as close to you, meaning me, as uh, those who sit, you know, two seats away in headquarters. We're all exactly the same proximity from one another today. Uh, and that, and that to her felt sort of, um, limitless that she could connect with anybody and, and work with everyone in the same way. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up. I've interviewed a few people that are, um, you know, the CEOs, they go to their office and no one's there. And I asked them, how does it feel to be in an empty office? And mm. It is kind of gloomy, but everything around us seems gloomy right now. Um, I've also been impressed. People are willing and thank you. Are, are more vulnerable. And I've always thought leaders can be more vulnerable to be more human, to lead the pack. But uh, I think this has made all of us um, a little more vulnerable, straightforward. Um, added a lot of humanity. I mean, I think you're, you're seeing, of course, everyone in the world is being, becoming familiar with video calling, right? So we had rolled that out extensively a couple of years ago, but of course it never took off quite like it has in the last couple of weeks. And it's, it's um, you're seeing everyone sort of in their natural habitat. Right. So everyone with whom you 
you work, you know, they dress for work and they come to work and, and that's how you see them. Now you're seeing them in their in their daughter's bedroom and in their, you know, what they wear on the weekends and uh, unshaven. And uh, I don't know, it's somewhat, that, that bit of humanity has been kind of nice actually to see. Back in the day, I did TV and radio and um, I used to do this one interview show where the, you know, the, the key, broad, the, the, whatever you call him, the key host, the big host, the big guy. He had a beautiful suit beautiful tie but he came in his underwear and his slippers and uh, <laughs> and when you walked into the studio I don't know how that would play these days but um, it, when you walked into his uh, in the studio he would he would light you up you know and I think yeah. that's what's kind of going on here people aren't quite as serious they're not as corporate yeah and you all people are still careful what they say and they should be but uh, it's, it's just a different environment yeah. let's move to let's move to real estate um, you know I think one thing we're all wanting to know is when does this sh shut down and let's be honest with ourselves it's going to if it hasn't what the consequences are and what you feel we should be not i don't think anyone can predict the future here but what the timeline might be that you're kind of working around where um we might see things turn around i know goldman sachs said q3 q4 maybe um but before we get to that let's let's not debate it too long because we had over 500 people debating it on inman's facebook's page but i innocently yesterday i think the day before put up the question on our coast to coast facebook page is real estate an essential service that's all i said and i figured there'd be a little debate but i had no clue it brought out the best and the worst of the real estate community i think in, a, in an interesting way there were certainly factual things about certain state laws and how it's defined yes. and that's that's so important to follow but it more it became more of a philosophical question you know shelter is obviously essential but it is, is the is the services around it where do you land on that question is real estate an essential service well interestingly uh, maybe i have a bit of a unique perspective because every single order that comes out which there's over 100 of them now uh, i read it our general counsel ken hofford reads it uh, because it got to a point where i wanted me to be the only one who could decide if we were actually shutting certain things down because I, we needed a perspective across the country we needed to interpret every state order city order county order and exactly what they meant and oftentimes the authors of those orders didn't really know what they meant i mean they're under tremendous pressure and they're trying to do the right thing they can't name every single activity and every single job around the entire you know community so the definition of essential is something that I'm actually spending a fair bit of time on every single day, including this morning, Mecklenburg County in, in North Carolina, was the, the most recent one this morning that I was trying to interpret. What'd you say, Bloomberg County in North Carolina? Uh, Mecklenburg County in North Carolina. Oh, I love that. So you have to get down in the weeds with this being oh, a yeah, CEO, this city level, massive company. county level, state level. Yeah, absolutely. So and a lot of conflict, I bet, between cities and counties and states, probably. There are, and in fact, there, there's conflict within those states in terms of how different areas within the state are interpreting them. So, and again, it's, it's important for us to remember everyone is trying their best. They have good intention. They're, they're not trying to crush the economy or stop people from doing things. They're trying to keep people safe. So in that context, we interpret these things. So whether or not it's essential depends a bit on how broad the definition is. You're exactly right, housing is essential. If someone is, is going to not have a place in which to shelter, because of the shelter in place order, and unfortunately that's happening in, at times, then we need to rise to that challenge. With some of the, the broader orders, then yes, housing is essential. We need to get transactions closed. Are open houses essential? No, I would argue they are, they are not on, under almost any circumstances essential. 
but actually getting and that's because and Brian that's because we can look at houses in different ways than right seeing that if, if we need a house if it's essential someone needs to find a home then we can we can do this in all these clever virtual ways that we've been trying to kickstart for so many years together there are um, and there are also that, safe that, ways to explore yeah there are also safe ways to physically explore homes where those areas permit them to be right but an open house yeah. conducting an open house in an actually safe way in COVID-19 is extremely, extremely challenging. Uh, yeah, but sending a couple sense. that lives together to be able to wander through an empty home while an agent waits outside and, and is on FaceTime with them to answer questions as they walk around, for instance, that can be done safely if the community has decided that people are allowed to be out and about for anything other than food and healthcare, for instance. So the devil's in the details here. It's like a big, yes. big issue that we can debate endlessly, but it doesn't really matter until we get down into it. And, you know, I think. Uh, I shared the story already, but very briefly, uh, randomly two days ago, someone knocked on my door. A couple well-dressed, beautiful Mercedes out front, and they said, hmm. "Would you, you be willing to rent your house?" And I said, uh, "Really? No." I said, "I don't think so. What do you have in mind?" But I, <laughs> they were um, had landed at uh, Palm Springs Airport, and they, the guy, jokingly said, "We rented this big Mercedes at a super discount." eight dollars huh. a day and they huh. decided palm springs with the sunshine and you know being california be a good place i don't know how they got in and i don't they were very nice but they were literally asking me and i said what are you doing they go well we're picking every house in the block this block that we like and then we're going to move to the next block no kidding uh, yeah and it just um it kind of made me think about it differently where i thought mm wow, this is probably not a good idea for this guy to be knocking on doors. And it certainly wouldn't be a good idea for me to show the house and I wasn't sure. planning on renting it. And this is a case where you'd want an intermediary in there somehow, you know, mm -hmm. to, uh, to help this person maybe, because that realtor in this neighborhood where I am, my realtor, he knows everything that's going on with every house and every rental. Absolutely. And, and there was an example where for this guy and his wife, uh, shelter was essential. And... Mm -hmm. In this case, a good real estate agent would have been an essential service to help him. So, I go all over. On, I go all over on that. Well, now, real estate our, our news are getting those those types of inquiries all over the country. Not just those who can sort of, you know, afford perhaps a, a, a destination location that kind of thing, but but people who find themselves trapped in between uh, a scenario where they can't get where they were planning on going because uh, government offices shut down or uh, a, a certain essential service was shut down that they didn't count on and they find themselves in a, in a, a, a as scared as the rest of us are but then beyond that because they actually don't have a place for them and their families and that's where our agents are rising to the challenge not just Cobalt banker across the country are rising to that challenge pulling communities together and trying to find ways to get people where they need to be and that is beautiful this is an incredibly competitive profession but in a moment like this it's a profession where that that caring that heart that customer service dna comes out in spades to try and pull communities together and get people where they need to be. You know, it's funny. There's a lot of, I, I call them the trite expressions of real estate. It's about the consumer. It's about customer service. And often it is trite by the people that are saying it. But the fact of the matter is, as you just said, in this particular situation, service has never been more important. Absolutely. And good, and good realtors know how to deliver it. Um, let's talk now about the market. Um, you got a dashboard. Um, I talked to Ryan. I, I talked to Ryan a week ago today. He was fabulous, and 
talk about the great equalizer. I said, are you looking at it, a beautiful forest? And he goes, no, I'm looking at my kitchen sink. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, in that interview, he hadn't got a lot of information yet. And, uh, and I'm not asking you to reveal numbers. You can't, but this thing is coming to a halt, isn't it? I mean, like everything else, restaurants, travel, isn't real estate sales. I mean, transactions, uh, You're let's be honest, to, this, 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 this is happening, right? You're certainly starting to see it, it show up. So as we, you know, projected and, and ran different scenarios, we're starting to see those different scenarios show up. Interestingly though, in some places I was looking at the, the MLS information in uh, New Rochelle, New York, for instance, you'll, you'll remember, I don't know, two and a half weeks ago, that was the first sort of East Coast destination that uh, really hit the radar, right? Because we there's National right. Guard deployed and it was shut down. And, and so I was looking at New Rochelle and, and thinking that may be a bit of an indicator of what is to come in some of these areas that are getting more strict shutdown orders. And it, it was not down nearly as much as I had anticipated it would in closed transactions, open transactions, um, even new listings, which, which was interesting to me. I'm not sure we can really draw too much from that, but I found that to be, be interesting. Well, you know, it's interesting. It, it's interesting you said that, Ryan. I think it was in today's paper. There's an, an article about how, how one community handled this well or is handling it well, a new Rochelle was uh, I think the profile we should both look for that when we're done here but sure. um, I actually do believe if you are in one of those communities that takes the appropriate action to protect people uh, you will have a little suffering but I think those will come back faster than the other markets so when I hear mm -hmm. realtors out there complaining about cities that are doing lockdowns I would just say to them hey I think there's a theory here that might pan out that if your community can do the best it can to stay physically healthy, then your market might come back faster. So let's not be cavalier or cowboys about this nonsense, you know? I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think that's what everyone's trying to do. So all these public officials, unfortunately, there's not a sort of uniform view on what the, the most right thing is to do, the most safe thing is to do. But uh, I think as the testing regimes ramp up dramatically, and as we have some kind of community uh, cohesion around what is the safest thing to do, I agree that if we, if we all do that, then we can really keep as many people safe and healthy as possible and make sure business gets back on track as quickly as possible. I was inspired to see this morning, uh, Abbott Labs uh, said that they have a, a test that they're able to, they rolled out one test last week that can test millions of people a month, but a new test that uh, you could get the results within five to 13 minutes which would just that. completely change our ability to um, identify you know, where the virus is appearing and be able to isolate that. To your point, what happened in New Rochelle was a total lockdown. As we as a society learn where the illness is more quickly and take action more quickly, we can get to the other side of this thing more quickly. I love that. You know, I was in San Francisco in the early 80s and during the HIV um, virus and as it spread and uh, that so many lessons from that but what you just said was so important for you know colleagues in my office that were dying that they could get a test quicker and the results quicker yes. because the anxiety around all of this stuff is just way too 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 much hey now we're when we're talking about essential services let's talk about the media do you agree with me real estate media is not essential service but what about the media general not being an essential service but uh, what do you read? How do you separate the noise um, from the facts? Because you've always impressed me as being an informed leader. I, I think you must read big books and 
the Economist or something, but how do you, uh, what do you read? You know, what do you listen to? And how do you separate the crap from the truth? Sure, I, I love The Economist, actually. It's funny you mention that. That's, a, that's an excellent publication. I, I listen to a ton of, of audiobooks. Uh, I, it's my town crazy. People don't believe me when I say it, but if you listen to Audible at three times speed, you, you do get used to it. It's almost like getting used to a heavy accent. And then anytime somebody recommends a book, if you, Brad, said, you know, I just read this great book the other day, then I would download it immediately, and I'd probably listen to it tonight while I was doing something else. And um, that helps me a lot to get a lot of different perspectives, especially if I'm listening to things I would never have found or explored on my own, but someone can I respect a lot. Can I recommend huh? one? Can sure, I recommend yeah, one? So this is an upbeat, very happy book. It's, it's slow, so speed it up at the beginning. It's a little awkward, and you're trying to come to grips with the characters. And mm. uh, It's called The Rosie Project. And The uh, Rosie Project? Yep. And it's okay. about, it's about, it's really, I think I, I give it to everybody now because it's a, just a bright spot and it's mm -hmm. about the humanity in this really beautifully written way. And uh, so I highly, I highly, but I want to hear, I want to hear from you later, whether you agree with me. Hey, and mm -hmm. anything else that you're, you're listening or watching, but more importantly, how do you decipher the BS from the facts here? Um, and it's, well, I think it's so important for agents. Uh, We'd like to think reading the news every day, but it's far more profound than that. What, what's your, um, what do you do to, to try I to- I try to get as much primary information as possible. So there are trusted sources and then there's primary information, right? So actually speaking with those who are, are in the thick of it, those who are, for instance, in the healthcare profession, on the front lines, our affiliates in uh, Washington State, for instance, where it hit the US here first, have been a tremendous resource to the rest of the network. Our affiliates in Italy, that have been hit extremely hard by this have been a tremendous resource to us. Same thing in China. Those are primary sources, people who can give us direct information of what they've actually seen and experienced. And then I try and triangulate with a lot of the other information that we see, the data that we see in our own numbers. And as far as pure media, we have a tremendous team that scours everything out there and tries to send them to us. So if you send me something, I'm going to read it. I don't care if it means I won't sleep for the next three nights. Like if, if you send something to me, I want to read that. I want to absorb it. I want to compare it to what I've known from other sources uh, and then try to make some kind of sense of it. Fortunately, we're discussing things a lot as a leadership team as well, and that helps too, for us to sort of beat up our own opinions a bit together, uh, put it through that crucible, and then come out with a, a point of view. Yeah, I always say uh, three or four minds are better than one. So any, any, any singularly brilliant thought you have in your alone, on your own, you should, you should bounce it off someone else to make sure you're, you're, you're not a nutcase, actually. I completely um, agree. Yeah. Hey, this was really, uh, really fantastic. Let, let's just spend a few minutes before we close off. Um, what are you guys, Goldman Sachs said third, fourth quarter. So this kind of idea the virus will work through, I think we all know that, right? And um, I don't know about the summer months theory that it's you know more profound in the winter. I doubt that's true, but whatever. It'll work through the system um, at some point. Um, how are you guys, I'm sure you're projecting worst case, best case, medium case, but what's your sense based on all the things you're reading and hearing where, at least in the US where most of our listeners are, um, a timetable and, and not that everything's gonna be normal when we come out of it. I think that's one thing that people are mistaken about during the great recession, you know, employers, we didn't hire back as fast as, as we, you know, we waited a while and, um, and it was slow. And uh, but anyway, those are some of my thesis. What what do you think about timing? Yeah. And then 
the recovery afterwards is just, is it like 9-11 or is it more like 2010 where it took us a while to get back on our feet? Yeah, we're, we're more running scenarios than we are forecasting. So looking like at that. a lot of different scenarios uh, and then trying to determine, because forecasting itself is sort of multivariate calculus, right? We need to, what are we as a society going to do? Are we going to discover best practices and implement them uniformly nationally to get through this as quickly as possible? If that's the case, then a better scenario is the more likely scenario. The stimulus package, I mean, potentially $2 trillion being thrown at this, not just the, the money, but also the lessons that are being thrown at it. If you go through that package, there are dozens and dozens of places where it's very clear someone said, you know what killed us in the, in the Great Recession? You know what caused us to double and triple down on bad ideas? This, this, and this. So let's make sure that we don't do those things in this stimulus package. Let's make sure we keep people in homes. Let's make sure that we implement forbearance. The Mortgage Bankers Association coming forth immediately and saying, we think we should promote forbearance to keep people in homes, keep us from exacerbating the problem. All that being taken into account, that multivariate calculus then generates a, a forecast. Right now, we're still in the scenario phase. And I think in the next couple of weeks, we'll understand better what the country will be doing from a, a sort of, you know, testing regime, face mask regime, uh, temperature taking protocol when we know those things, then I think we can begin forecasting. Today, we're, we're just running scenarios. You know, that is uh, such an important point because one of the tragedies of the uh, Great Recession was people losing their home and the number of foreclosure, putting people at wit's end and not in a position to probably participate in the economy when they're struggling with yeah. holding onto their house. I, I, never, I never thought of how important forbearance is. Like, it's one thing to lose your job. It's another thing to lose your job and your house. And, and there's uh, so many lessons. For, I mean, it is it, when you when you get a chance to go through the, what is now a law, uh, you can take a look at some of the, the affordable housing elements that are in there, the Section 8 uh, funding that was provided, the uh, homes for those above 70 years old and special assistance for those who are most damaged during the recession. In addition to that, things specific to credit reporting. So what we saw in the Great Recession was, too many people removed from homes, too many homes then on the market at one time at a heavy discount that just made the entire situation worse, put people upside down who were previously above water on their mortgage. And then their credit was impacted in a way that while they would have been a good credit risk after the recession, they were not able to get a mortgage. You put those things together, this package has you know, forbearance, not just on payment, but also on credit reporting. Those who are taking advantage of the law are not getting their credit dinged in that intervening period of time. I mean, there's a lot of lessons that really, it's, it's impressive how much was put into this bill in a short period of time that drew upon the lessons of the Great Recession. Well, that's a, you know, and that's a, something I think showing respect for our public servants. Uh, sometimes government gets trashed uh, you know, over and over and over, but there's a lot of hard week working smart, intelligent, you know, lobbyists even um, working, industry working with government officials to do the right thing. Do you have a summary of those real estate related uh, issues summarized somewhere yet? Sure, yeah, we've sent it out to, uh, before it became law actually, uh, we sent summaries out to all of our affiliates, uh, out to all of our employees, to be able to provide to agents, different aspects that we thought were particularly germane to them and to the communities around them. And, um, and actually we've been working with NAR as well and they put up some really great information on their sites now, it's been, it's been good. Okay, great. Um, well, I'm sure the M and editors and writers have this. Any yeah, last words? And we can send you over some of what we've we've done as well. I mean, we're we're trying to be a resource. It's a 900-page bill. We're we're obsessed with uh, making sure the right things were in there in the first place, and we were in the room essentially when a lot of these things were being debated and getting the right things into the bill. So now we want to help people to understand what 
what is in the bill that helps them individually as a business owner, right? Unincorporated or incorporated business owner, but then also what's helping the communities around them, right? So they can help to start to spread some of that understanding, which Absolutely. everyone's looking for something to grab onto, to more to, to be more confident about what the future is going to look like. And there's a lot in this bill that I think can help people to feel that greater sense of confidence that, that so many people need right now. That's great. Could you email me that now? Sure. Any, anything that's conclusive, meaning that's fact-based in the bill versus what we thought was going to be in the bill. I know in the, yeah, yeah, yeah no, what we great. sent around was reflective of the, uh, the house pass bill. And actually another thing to point out on a little spot of confidence, I mean, the house and the Senate, uh, you know, essentially all voted in favor of this. When's yeah, the last beautiful. time that, that we did that about yeah. anything as a country? I mean, this is, this is really everyone trying to pull together here. Yeah. The American spirit, I think is really shining at this moment in time. It was kind of under, uh, under, uh, a dark cloud for a while, but it has emerged. Hey, Ryan, I want to thank you so much. And I, I always love my interviews with you. You're a serious guy, thoughtful guy. Um, usually have one little clip that's funny and snarky, but I think you've decided <laughs> the timing's not good for that. But uh, I really appreciate your leadership in the industry and, and what you do for all of us. And you've always been a great source, Ryan. And, uh, well, I, I appreciate that, Brian. Well. I appreciate what you're doing with these calls. I think this uh, this is a great opportunity for that sort of less formal, more human, but also more timely uh, type of information that you're trying to bring to your readers and, and, uh, and for your readership to grow as it has uh, in this, this time of crisis, which I think answers your question about how essential the media is. I think your readership has answered that question for you. So, uh, so thank you for what you're doing. Okay, my friend. Um, really appreciate having Ryan Gorman, one of the most thoughtful people in the industry that I ever talked to. Uh, this is Brad Inman checking out.